Well, amen. Let's get our Bibles open this morning to Luke chapter number 6 as we continue um, in the gospel according to Luke. And um, we do have one this hour getting baptized, and then um, in the next service we'll have four or five, and then we have four families uh, that are joining in the later service. We praise the Lord um, for that this morning. Luke chapter number 6, and let's begin reading. In verse number 17 this morning, Luke chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we do love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the freedom um, we have to come together this morning. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful music already. And Lord, I pray today, God, as we teach and preach your word, Lord, I pray that you would grow each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would start with me. God, I pray for those who walk in uh, this morning uh, discouraged. God, may you encourage them. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you. God, may you draw them to yourself. Lord, for those that are away from you, Lord, may you help them, God, just to see that your way is perfect, Lord, and uh, Lord, that we would may walk in your way. Lord, I pray for everything that goes on on the property today, Lord, for the kids' classes, for the, for the groups that meet today, Lord, for the services tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Jesus had just finished praying all night. And if you've been with us, uh, he had just picked his team, uh, those 12 apostles, those 12 disciples. He called them out by name. And now here in our text, he kind of switches gears, and really, as I was reading this, what he's doing with the disciples here, um, obviously there's multitudes around him, and they're following him because he's healing and stuff, we're going to look at that, uh, but he, he begins here to give them their job orientation. He begins to give them what they signed up for. Here in our text, he casts out some demons in the first uh, couple verses, he's going to heal some. Then he preaches a message. Right after he calls the twelve, he gives them this orientation. He preaches to them and teaches them. He begins here in verse number 17 by doing what he has been doing. And the reason that people are crowding around him is he's healing people and he's casting out unclean spirits. Look at verse number 17. Keep your Bibles open this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen this morning. Look at verse 17. And he came down with them 
and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon came uh, to hear him and to be healed of the diseases. Verse 18, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. So they're, they're gathering in this spot. It says here a plain. Now, as we read this, you may have studied this sermon before back in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter number 7, a sermon that he preached called the Sermon on the Mount. Here they call this the Sermon on the Plain. Um, some would believe it was the same sermon and maybe on the Mount he was in that flat spot. Others believe it was a different sermon in a different place. Either way, he preaches this same sermon twice to the disciples. He gives this lesson specifically for the disciples. This is a diverse group. Um, there's Jews here, and it also says there's people from Tyre and Sidon, which would mean Gentiles were there. They had gathered around him, and Jesus, and this is, this is awesome for us and good for us, Jesus ministered uh, to diverse people. They've gathered to hear him. Some, no doubt, have gathered to be healed. I mean, if you heard that there was a man that could touch your infirmities and, man, could take care of those diseases that you have in your life, and it was really happening, what are you going to do? You're going to take your family there. If you have a child that's lame or a child that has some issues, you're going to take them there. Maybe if you're blind or you have some issues, you're going to get there and you're going to get Jesus' help. So that's what's happening, man. People are crowding around him. They're following him. And he's doing what he does. Man, he's touching people. He's healing people. Man, he's giving freedom from those demonic spirits, those unclean spirits. Look at verse 19. This is an amazing verse. And the whole multitude, look at this, everybody sought to what? They sought just to touch him. For there went virtue out of him. And this is interesting. And this is, you don't find this a lot. But what, he doesn't just heal a few of them. What does it say here? He heals them all. Man, all those that touch Jesus, that word virtue simply carries the idea of this. Man, that power of God was leaving him. And everyone that touched him, listen, they, 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 were, they were healed and they left differently. By the way, when we touch Jesus, aren't you thankful this morning that we leave differently than we came? And that's what was happening here. I mean, people with unclean spirits, demonic spirits, people with issues, people with health problems, man, they're touching him, and he's healing them. Pretty awesome thing. So they're crowding around. You can understand why multitudes were there. By the way, the same multitudes, I believe, that were there, and he was touching and healing are the same just down the road. They're going to crucify him and kill him. Because a lot of times people are looking for Jesus to do something for them, but then when he's not doing something for them, is everybody tracking me this morning? Then all of a sudden, hey, where's everybody at, Right? Even his own disciples left uh, when that got there. So he, that's what he's doing. And then what he does is he kind of shifts gears here. So he does what he does, and then look at verse number 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said. So he stops here, and he lifts up. He, he looks up, and he looks at his people, his 12, that team that he had just picked. Notice this. It says he looks at his disciples. He's not looking at the multitudes. He's not looking at everybody else. He's looking at his 12, and he says, he turns to the disciples. He looks right at them. He's about to give them their, their discipleship orientation. you got to remember, these guys had just left everything to follow him. They had left their jobs behind. They had left their families behind. He said, follow me, and what do they do? They left their nets. Man, Levi left his tax collector booth, and he's fallen. So now he sits them down. Y'all ever had a job orientation before? No. I hate job orientations. You go in your first day, and it's that awkward day. You know, you don't know anybody yet. What have I done? What am I getting into? Would y'all say there's some fears going in? It's kind of like when you're a kid, and you're going to that new school, or even as an adult, you're going to that new church, and you're going to that new job. You don't know what to expect. So they sit you down, they give you your job orientation. 
And I've had some jobs in my life where I went to orientation, and what they sold me in order for me to set the offer wasn't actually what they were selling. Is everybody tracking me? You get to orientation, and they've, they've told you how great it's going to be, right? Man, if you, if you come work for us, we're going to give you this, this, and this. And, man, we're gonna, you're going to have this, and you're never going to have to worry. Man, you can work whatever schedule you want. We're going to give you a, you know, we're going to give you a, man, you start at, you know, $10 an hour. Listen, by the end of the year, you're going to be making $30 an hour, you know. They're going to do whatever they can to get you to what? To sign the dotted line. And then you get there, and how many of y'all ever had one of those jobs that they promise you this and that, and you get there, and it wasn't all the way it was cracked up to be. They lied to you. Why? Because they, and I'm not Jesus didn't lie to them, but let me just say this. They didn't know what they had signed up for. Because he's about to tell them, he's about to tell them, hey, if you're going to be my disciple, and you're going to follow me, it may not be what you think it is. And can me just say this, Christians, there's a lot of places out there selling this modern-day Christianity, this American dream Christianity, that's not what following Jesus is all about. We're going to see that in our text, because he's going to give them the orientation of what it looks like to be Jesus' disciple. How many of y'all figured out following Jesus doesn't mean you're going to be happy every day? How many of you figured out that following Jesus doesn't mean you're going to have money in the bank every day? Somebody help me this morning. How many of you figured out that just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean we're all going to be healed? Man, it's not always going to be easy. So he sits down with them, and he's about to lay it out. Hey, hey, disciples, I know you've left everything. I know you're following me. Let me just tell you now, after the fact, what you have signed up for. And by the way, what he's about to lay out goes against everything in the Jewish mind and goes against everything in the American mind about what true success and true happiness brings, okay? So we've got to think in these terms. We've got to think about that this morning. What is it that brings true happiness. You ever thought about it? I'm sure you have. What is it that would make, if you, if I were to come to you this morning, I was looking at you and I, we were just talking around the coffee table, and I said, hey, what is it that would bring you joy? What is it in your life that would truly bring you happiness? You know, I think some of us would probably say, I mean, right off the bat, I'm like, man, if I had a little more money, I'd be happy. Somebody help me this morning. Don't look at me like that. I know how you are. If I just had a little bit more money you know now it won't buy your way into heaven but it'll buy you a truck and it'll buy you a bass boat somebody help me i make a good country song wouldn't it if i just had a little more i'd be happy and maybe that's you this morning maybe that's where you think maybe it's this maybe if i just had a little bit bigger house i mean sometimes we work our whole lives to maybe get this house or get this thing maybe if man i had healing some from some physical issue. That's not a bad thing. None of these things are bad things. More money, nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with a big house. Man, I pray God will send some millionaires here. Somebody help me this morning. We a bunch of poor rednecks in this place. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Here, Lord, please, just get us, send us one. <laughs> you know. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, man, if I, just ha- if I was just healed from this thing, then I'd be happy. I'd have joy. Maybe, if I, man, if I just have a baby, you know. If I could have children. That bring me happiness or joy. Maybe it's a promotion. Man, if I just had that next promotion, I'd be a happy person. I'd have joy. What is it for you? I want you to really think this morning. What is it that you think will make you happy, will bring you joy? Maybe if you're single here this morning, man, if I just found that spouse, that, that person, you know, be happy. I'd have joy. Maybe if you're a young couple here and you're living in that, 
at that apartment or that double wide right now, and you're like, man, if I could just have that bigger house with that white picket fence and that dog that listens to everything I say, I just got some news. Only person I know in the world has got a dog like that is Curtis Johnson, and they're, very, they're, they're not, listen, they're few and far between, trust me. I had two of them last night. I was about to kill. $1,000 dogs. I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to kick both, about kill both of them this morning, last night. But what is it that, you know, I think sometimes, you know, like for me, there's things that I, man, I want to do in my life. And I don't think any of those things are wrong. But what is it, will they really bring us joy? And that's a question I want us to, to wrestle with. Because he's going to lay out what really will, you know. What is it that will bring joy? The disciples were called out of something to something else. There was a major life change that just happened. They had left everything. They were called out of their career. Most of them, and many of them were fishermen that were called out. They were grinding, trying to make it day to day, trying to make a fortune. Two were called out of successful government careers. And now they're sitting there. Jesus is about to give them what it's really going to be like. Look what he said. What were they really called to do? This is, this is insane. This isn't what most churches are selling. Okay, look at verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, and this is crazy, this word blessed here. It really, the original word is the word happy, but it didn't mean happy based on circumstances, how we believe happy. It was more that word that carries the idea of joy. So you're going to have joy, or you're going to be blessed, or you're going to be happy if, you see this? Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Man, right off the bat, how many of y'all, I mean, does that go against everything like we desire? I mean, I don't wake up tomorrow, man, I just wish I was poor. I am poor, but I don't wish it. Somebody help me this morning, you know. He says, though, if you bless those that are poor, they're going to be blessed. Man, what is, he, what is he talking about here? Man, blessed is the poor. Man, this is opposite of what human reasoning says. Man, we want more money equals more happiness. You mean Jesus being poor? That ain't going to make me happy. Jesus said, yes, it is. I say, no, it's not. Then look at the next one and stay with me because we're going somewhere with us. Blessed are the poor. If you're poor, you're going to be happy. Verse 21, I don't understand this one. This is where I'm at right now. Blessed are ye. I mean, it's almost like Jesus has a sense of humor when he's, when he's preaching this. Like, I'm going to show these jokers, right? Look at this. Blessed, blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Now, man, I don't know about you, but I hate being hungry. But he said, and I don't see any blessing in being hungry. I like, I like feeling full. Is anybody else like that? I like being in food comatose. You understand what I'm saying? I like being in that place where I don't want to do nothing but sit in that recliner and just bask in my fullness, okay? That's what I want to do. Being hungry, on the other hand, we were somewhere the other day. And she, where, when was that? She goes, you need to go eat. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's what she said. Y'all need to eat. You need to eat, Jake. Man, I don't like being hungry. Man, my body don't feel right. That, there's no blessing being hungry. Notice the next one. So he says, if you're going to be poor, you, you're a blessed person. But you're going to be happy. If you're hungry, man, this doesn't make sense. You're going to be happy. Notice what he says in 21 at the end of it. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall. Blessed are ye that weep, cry. I, there's nothing worse than a crying person. Especially when you don't know why they're crying. Y'all, me and y'all know what I'm talking about? She's over there just crying and crying. You're like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. No, really, what's wrong with you? Jesus crying. Nothing. No, something's wrong with you. Man, I've had two of them crying at the same time. Anybody else ever been there? 
Lex has got three sometimes. I mean, the twins and his, you know, if you got more than, I got a friend, he's got four daughters, and I pray for him every day. Somebody help me this morning. One starts crying, the next one starts, what did we, why are you crying? I don't know. There's blessing and weeping. Man, every time I weep, for the most part, I mean, there's been some times we've cried tears of joy, but the most crying is, what is it, man? It's from disappointment, it's from hurt, it's from heartache. How's that blessing? So I'm, I'm blessing if I'm poor? Blessing if I'm hungry? Blessed if I'm weeping? That makes sense. Let's, let's see what else it says here. This is interesting, isn't it? Look at verse 22. It even get worse. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. People hating me? I don't know about you. I don't like people hating me, and I have some that do. Trust me. Man, it's a terrible feeling. Look at this. And when they shall separate you from their company. So he says, blessed, listen, if people hate you, how about this next part, separating from your company? You know what that means? They exclude you. You ever been excluded? Think about this. Look at this next one. Shall reproach you. You know what that basically carries the idea here of mocking you. You ever just been mocked? Somebody's making fun of you? People cursing you? And look at this. For one reason, though. Here's the difference. A lot of the times we don't get along with people's of our own doing. If you're a jerk and people don't want to be around you, that may be the reason. Look what the reasoning here is. It isn't because they're being jerks. It's not because they're going to be jerks. It's not because they don't know how to have a relationship. A lot of our relationship issues are self-inflicted. That's not what he's talking about here. There's people that make themselves martyrs, and they're not martyrs. They're idiots. I mean, honest. They don't know how to treat people. They don't know how to talk to people. They say, oh, nobody loves me. Nobody wants to hang out with me. Yeah, it's because you're a toxic person. I'm not, that's not what he's talking about here. Look what he's talking about. For what? For the Son of Man's sake. So there's a big difference between people not wanting to be around you just because you're not self-aware and people actually not want to be around you because you just love Jesus and you're following Jesus. But he says this, if you follow Jesus, <laughs> there's going to be people that don't want to hang out with you. There's going to be people that exclude you. There's going to be people that mock you. There's going to be people that curse you. Man, what a blessed life this is. Poor, hungry, and hated. You know what he's saying? Man, that's, that's, is that what we signed up for? What is he talking? This doesn't sound like a good job to me. This doesn't sound like an orientation that I'm going to hang around with. Man, this doesn't sound like something that I, so here, think about it. Here's a, if, if he had an orientation book, you ever had one of those, they give it to you, and you're reading through it, and they're going through it. So you say, write this down, first of all. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be, and pull in the, fill in the next blank, you're going to be poor. If you're going to be a disciple and you want to work with me, you're going to be hungry. Oh, okay. That sounds good. I don't know. Man, you're going to cry. That's part of your orientation. Man, people are going to hate you. What an awesome job. People are going to exclude you. People are going to mock you. And people are going to cuss you. All because, that's one thing, because you followed me. Because you're my disciple. Man, this sounds like a terrible job. I wonder if, and let's just, I think, and you hear me say this a lot, but I think sometimes we super spiritualize people in the scriptures. You think these jokers were sitting there doubting maybe at this point, like, what in the world did we do? I mean, you think Matthew or Levi was, you, man, I should have just stayed in that tax collector's booth, taking everybody's money. Those fishermen, I'd, I'd way rather be on that boat casting my nets out and catching nothing than being poor, hungry, and hated for following you. I wonder what was going through their minds here. I wonder 
If any of them were sitting there, he's looking at the disciples. There's a multitude in the outskirts. I wonder if any of them for a minute just like, you know what, I think I'm going to roll out of here. Pull a Houdini. You know what I'm talking about? That's like when you try to disappear from the party and nobody knows you're gone. I wonder if, wonder if they thought about that for a minute. I wonder if they thought about just slipping into the crowd and heading back to that fishing shore. Look at verse number 23. It says this, Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. He's, he's, talking, he's, he's speaking with this eternal kingdom language here. And this was new for them. Okay, So hindsight for us is 2020, right? For them, though, they don't know what he's talking about. Man, reward in heaven? What are you, you know, where are we at with this? We rejoice? Great is your reward in heaven. Jesus is saying this, and they don't know it. I'm going to pay you more than you could ever dream of being paid for eternity. When you are poor, when you're hungry, when you're crying, when you're hated, he, he says, man, rejoice because in heaven your reward's going to be great. And it's like, man, I don't want it in heaven. I need some help now. Somebody help me this morning. And look what he says. And he goes into these next couple verses. He uses this word woe a whole lot in King James. Look at verse 24. Woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. So that word woe simply means this. I mean, it carries the idea of it's an expression of regret, not of threat. He's not saying, hey, if you're going to be rich, I'm going to punish you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you may regret it if that's what you're focused on. And then look at verse number 25. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. He's saying, listen, here, if you're focused on riches, you're going you know, to have sorrow. If you're, if you're fat and you're, proper, and you're prosperous, you may be empty. And then look what it says. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Look at verse 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for there did their fathers to the prophet. Man, woe. Listen, if you're focused on that praise, don't forget, those that praise me will eventually crucify me. What a discipleship class. What an orientation. What was Jesus saying to them? This is what he was trying to do. He was trying to change their way of thinking, their outlook, their focus on what true success is, what true joy is. I asked this question earlier, and we're going to revisit it, and I want to give you some things from this text that we're going to take home with us. What is it in your life that you think would bring true happiness? What is it that you think would bring true joy in your life? We've already mentioned some. Maybe a little more money. Maybe a bigger house. Maybe healing. Maybe a promotion. Maybe if you're single, a spouse. Maybe if you're married, you think that there's something outside of that that would bring you joy or happiness. Four or five things this morning that are very opposite of human desire these things are opposite of the way that many of us think because many of us will spend our entire lives wanting to live the American dream. This experiment, which is called America, which is failing. And we'll spend our entire lives, and listen, I want to state this at the beginning. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with things. There's nothing wrong with nice things. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with making a profit. We're going to look at it this morning. If you're in business, you should make a profit. Somebody help me. You ain't going to be in business very long. It's biblical to be good stewards. But I think the whole idea here is, is Jesus is talking to them and he's proposing this question and he, he's kind of saying, teaching us this. So many of us will live our whole lives trying to fulfill our life in the wrong direction with the wrong mindset. Okay. We will look at things 
through a worldly lens of things that will fulfill us, of things that we think will make us happy, of things that we think will bring us true joy. I mean, people do it all the time. Christians do it all the time. We live our whole lives trying to attain something that in the end doesn't really matter. So what is it then? What's he saying to them? Man, what is it in our lives? Don't you? I want to be a happy person. And I try to be. For the most of the time, I try to be topside, man. I want to try to keep the right mindset. But sometimes it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy to fall into that trap of just being miserable. Can I just say this? God's people should not be miserable. They should be the happiest people in the world. And we're going to see why. If you're going to be happy in your life, and all of us would say, if I say, how many of you want to be happy? Man, we'd raise our hands. If you raise your hand and say, no, nah, I don't want to be happy. Okay, you need to go see a psychiatrist. Somebody help me this morning. We all want to be happy. I'm just being honest. I mean, I just want to, I don't want to be happy. No, you do. We all want to have a good life. What does that really look like, though? The first thing that I notice in our text is if you're going to be happy, one of the things Jesus is communicating here, you can't live your life just for money. Number one, do not live for money. He wasn't saying just because you're poor, you're going to be blessed. He's, he's saying this. If your main focus is financial, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> Nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with a profit, nothing wrong with a fat bank account, nothing wrong with a nice house, nothing wrong with stuff. Here's where the problem comes in. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. When money is what you love, listen to me, church, you will have no joy. This is why you're never going to have enough. Some of the most miserable people that I know are people that are consumed with the little G God of the almighty dollar. Never going to have enough. You're always going to want more. Man, you're never going to have enough. You're always going to want more. Nothing wrong with money. You need it to function. We need it. Man, I, it's nice to have nice things. But if that's what makes our heart beat, if that's what gets us up in the morning, if that's what we love, if that's what we desire, you're always going to live your life feeling incomplete. And eventually, it's going to, listen, it's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your walk with God. I know people right now, they're so stressed, and they're so bogged down, and they're so unfocused. And listen, they don't see that God's blessing's right in front of them, and they're distracted by something that doesn't even matter. Man, I remember even in ministry, and I've shared this with you guys, being so busy trying to be successful that I missed much of my daughter growing up. Although it wasn't money necessarily, it still was the same idea and the same thought of this worldly idea of success. We can become so consumed with these things. That verse that leads up to the love of money, sometimes we forget to read the verses before it. Let me, re let me read the verses that come right before it. 1 Timothy 6, 6 or 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's a verse we need to underline. We need to mark this. and something I have to remember. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can bring nothing out. And having food and raiment, look at this, this is tough, man. Let us therewith be content. He says this, listen, y'all realize when we die, that stuff ain't going with us. Now I, have, I did one funeral where they actually they had, they pulled the bass boat behind the truck, I'm not lying. And they had the casket on that bass boat. But guess what? Guess where that casket went? It went into the ground. 
And we, guess where that bass boat went? It went to Fred Chrislip's house. <laughs> That's where it went. Buried his daddy that day. And that boat went to him. And when Fred dies, guess who it's going to go to? Can't take, take it with you. Nothing wrong with it. But when, we have, when that's our focus, I just want to remind us this morning, if that's our focus and that's our desire, we're never going to have enough. Because what is enough? Just think about this more. Are you living for that? Maybe you're miserable here this morning. And you're a good person. You love Jesus. But that's kind of the thing that's keeping you focused. And you're just miserable because, man, I just don't have enough. Why is it some of the poorest people I know are some of the happiest people I know? I've been on mission trips to other countries. I'm talking about where they had dirt floors and they're eating beans and rice. And they walk around with a smile on their face and they sing in church and they lift in their hands and they, are, they got the joy. Man, they're wearing Super Bowl t-shirts of people that never even won the Super Bowl. But they happy. And they have nothing. And I've shared this with you. Man. I remember some of our happiest times in our lives, man, when we read nothing. Simple. And I was tired of ramen noodles. Spaghetti. Baby, if you make spaghetti one more time. <laughs> but those are happy times. I remember it. I had a car so bad one time. We called it the donkey. It was primered color. Celeb- it was a celebrity, 1987 celebrity. I had to make a visit for our church. I remember this. I was so embarrassed to walk into those people's door and knock on the door. I parked around the block to walk in. I'm dead serious. You remember that car? Embarrassing. You know, we are happy. Just serving the Lord, loving Jesus. Just think about that. Perspective makes a big difference. Stuff ain't going to make y'all happy. You're looking at a recovering person recovering from stuffitis. More, you can get all stuff in the world. Still be miserable. Fit your focus. The second thing he says is this. Listen, you can't take it with you. Food and clothes, be content. Secondly, this is part of the American dream. And this is, we got to just shift our minds on this. Man, we can't live for pleasure and what we think happiness is. Temporary pleasure will not bring True joy and happiness. First John 2, verses 15 through 17 says this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. Listen to this. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. When we think of lust, we automatically think of a sexual connotation here. But understand this. The word lust is wanting anything else, anyone else, anywhere else. Simply this. Not being content in any area of life. The pride of life. That next thing. It's a good day, y'all, when we just get content right where we are. Man, the house that you have, praise the Lord, I have a house over my roof over my head. Man, the food that I have, man, thank God he's blessed me with this food. The spouse that God's given me, content with that. Man, the place that God, listen, we, we apply, the job, man. We, some of us will complain with our jobs every day. Man, God gave you that job. Until you get another one, thank God for that one. The boss that we have. I just hate my boss. You know my opinion on that. Well, then go be one. Go start your own business. Go start your own church. See what I'm saying? We Just get content where you're at, man, where God's placed you. That's, who, who put you there? Jesus. God. Man, be content where he's placed you. Living for pleasure. And I, I move on from this, but many times we sacrifice our future for a moment of pleasure. Something to think about. What am I living for? What will bring me joy? Men don't live for pleasure and happiness. Thirdly, what, what, what do you say? People are going to hate you, right? 
what I thought about here is you can't live your life for acceptance. Just wanting to be accepted by people. Be okay in your skin. Be comfortable with who God made you to be. He didn't make you a mistake. He made you who he wanted you to be. Man, he, he, we've got to get, listen, and I, I, many times I had a lady the other day, somebody introduced me as a preacher. She goes, I wouldn't have known it if you wouldn't have told me. I got comfortable in my skin a long time ago because I realized this. If I live my life trying to please everybody else, guess what? Mm-mm, I'm going to be miserable. Galatians 1.10 says this. Can you throw that one up there? Do we have it? For do I now persuade men or God? For do I seek to please men? For if yet I please men, look at this, I should not be a servant of Christ. If I'm living to please everybody else, who am I worshiping? Whether it's self or other people, I'm worshiping myself. There's only one that I should live to please. And who is that? The Lord. And when I please the Lord, I've learned this in my life. When I please him, guess who's going to be pleased? Those people in my life that need to be pleased. And those that don't, ta-di-la-da. Sometimes it's good to separate. Sometimes it's good to get away. Man, we need those people in our lives that, listen, they understand that, man, they love us in spite of our shortcomings. They love us for who God made us to be. They love us and understand that we're not perfect and we're failures. Man, you don't have to live for that acceptance because when you're rejected, you're going to feel worthless. The last one is this. Here's the, here's the answer to all of it. What Jesus was teaching them. We may not have all the money now. We may not have all the health now. We may cry a lot now. We may be cut out because we love Jesus now. But there's coming a day, boys. This is what he was saying to them. There's coming a day when you pass over Jordan. Hey, where you're going to leap for joy and you're going to look back and say all the pain and all the heartache and all the tears and all the hunger. And listen, it may not have felt like it then. But it was worth every struggle, and it was worth every mile. I love Psalm, what the psalmist said in Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger endureth but for a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure. Y'all listen to me. But joy, when does it come? It comes in the morning. And as a disciple, listen, as a follower of Jesus, it may seem hard. You may feel like you're poor, and you may be hungry sitting here right now. I know I am. Somebody help me. And it may feel like, man, you never, listen, here's the deal. We're not, we've got to get in the, we got to get the mindset of this. We're not living just for now. We're living with eternity in mind. And that the only thing that's going to bring us true joy and true happiness is this. We realize that's, that's the end goal. Man, to look our Father in the face and look our Savior and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The only way that we're going to do that is if we decide, Listen, if we decide we're not going to live for money, we're not going to live for food, we're not going to live for stuff, we're not going to live for acceptance, we're going to live for eternity. What are you living for this morning? That's my question I want to pose to you. Here's the good news. Maybe your entire life you've lived for the American dream, all those things. You can change that today. You can decide that, you know what, I'm going to live for something that matters starting today. Heads bowed, eyes closed, let's stand on our feet. Matt's going to sing. The altar's open. We'll have some counselors down front. If you have questions after the service or need prayer during the invitation, um, Matt's going to sing a verse of invitation.